Thanks for reading that, Angel, uh, and thanks, James, for bringing this up. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm a ministry apprentice here at Uni Church. Uh, we like going through the Bible. We love reading the Bible. We love going through it week by week. So um, this week we are in Galatians, and uh, we're going to see what it looks like to turn back to Jesus. So how about we pray that God will help us understand uh, what He's just spoken to us uh, by His Word? So let's let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity today to listen to you. We pray that by your Spirit, you would help us to hear you today, to be moved to action, and rest in the fact that Jesus has brought us true freedom. We pray this in his name. Amen. One of the things that I think we love most in the West is freedom. We love freedom. In 2013, the Canadian Fraser Institute uh, ranked each country in security and safety, movement, expression, relationship freedoms, uh, thinking through which country is the most free. New Zealand came out as the number one, the most free country in the whole world, followed by the Netherlands and Hong Kong. The United States of America came eighth, much to their dismay. <laughs> there are lots of songs about freedom too. Raise your hand if you know the song Freedom. Does anybody know the song Freedom? Freedom by Beyonce? Well, no, no. How, yeah, freedom by Pitbull, or Freedom by Rage Against the Machine, or Freedom by Pharrell Williams. Um, how about Freedom by Jesus Culture? Maybe anyone? Yes, 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 yes. Nice. <laughs> freedom by Jesus Culture. Don't worry if you don't know any of those songs. You should know this one. I want to break free. Who knows that song? Does anyone know that song? Nice, nice. We we love freedom. In the same vein, we hate slavery. Straight up, uh, slavery is probably one of the worst things that countries used to do, and actually you see it still happen in countries today. Uh, but we don't just hate slavery, we hate anything that stops us from what we want to do. Uh, anything that challenges me not to follow my feelings. How dare you touch my freedom? Who are you to say that? You, know, you, might, have an, you might have a right to have an opinion, but how about keeping that to yourself? We love freedom, we hate slavery. What we'll see today is that God loves us. And because of that, he has freed us. He's freed us from worthless things and instead works in us to see Jesus formed in us. We'll see that now that we have a new identity in Jesus, we can't go back to the way we used to be. And so the question Paul asks us is this. Do you truly realize what it means to be free in Jesus? Before today's passage, we learned that we have been given a new identity. We learned that if we trust in Jesus, we are all adopted as children of God. And if we are God's children, then we can truly call God our Father. The first point that Paul makes, that Paul's going to make here, is that God has freed us. So it's the first point in your outline. So have a look in your Bibles at Galatians 4, verse 7 to 9. It should be up on the screen. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Listen to Paul's emotion here. He just can't wrap his head around 
why the Galatians are returning to the Old Testament law. Paul wants him to know that it's vital they understand that God knows them and has freed them from the idols they once worshipped. They don't need to become Jews to be Christian. In verse 8, he looks to the past, looks back to how they used to be. He says, you were once enslaved to worthless things, following pagan gods, worshipping idols, making meaningless sacrifices. That's the way they used to be. In verse 7, he tells them who they are. They are children of God. It's who they are. And so in verse 9, he says, they're going back to being enslaved again. Except this time, it looks a little bit different on the outside. This time, we see in verse 10 that they're observing special days, months, seasons, and years. It's a bit of an odd phrase, uh, but what Paul is saying here is that they are turning back. Sorry, they're turning to Old Testament laws. They are being told by these false Christians that, yes, Jesus is great. Yes, trust Jesus. But also, to be a Christian, you need to do Jewish things. Being a Christian means keeping the Old Testament law. Things like keeping the temple, getting circumcised, making pilgrimages, observing Jewish festivals, and avoiding pork, shellfish, and animals that have a split hoof not completely divided or if they do not chew the cut. They're saying that if they, saying that these things, by following these things, those things will save them. But to do this is to become enslaved again. Before they were enslaved to pagan gods, now by trying to follow the Old Testament law and being saved by that, Paul's saying that they're going to become enslaved again. The law can't make you right with God because we all fall short of God's perfect standard. No, we need Jesus' perfect sacrifice, Jesus to bear all our failings and for us to receive his righteousness. Paul's worried about these Galatians. And so he drops this line in verse 11. I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Those are chilling words. What would it be like to hear that? They'll be like our pastor Rowan getting sick or something for a year. Uh, and then he hears that we here at Auckland EV are starting to add on works of the law and thinking that those things will save us. What if he wrote to us, I'm fearful for you, that perhaps planting Auckland EV was a mistake. Perhaps I should have spent my time and energy somewhere else. Think about what it would be like to hear those words. That's what Paul is saying here to these Galatians. He wants them to understand what they're doing. By adding on to the gospel, they're adding on to Jesus. They're actually, as they do this, they're actually rejecting Jesus and becoming enslaved again. Imagine for a second that you live in England on the street. You're on the street, it's a cold, hard ground, and you're homeless. And as you sleep each night, you barely get any sleep. People walking past, making noise. You don't know when your next meal is going to come. You, what little you own is probably going to get stolen by people walking past. You're, you live in constant danger. And imagine one day, Queen Elizabeth walks up to you and adopts you into the royal family. Suddenly, you're living in Buckingham Palace. You're eating caviar. You're drinking champagne. You're sleeping in a massive super king bed. A true super king bed. You might be king one day or, or queen. <laughs> 
And you have this beautiful linen cotton. You're safe. You have guards. Now imagine you live that lifestyle for a few months. And then someone mentions that life would actually be better back out on the street. Back on the hard ground that is cold, where there is no food, and you're in constant danger. And you agree. So you walk up to Queen Elizabeth and say, hey, thanks for adopting me, um, but I'm going to go back out onto the street. And so off you go, back out to the street. You say that you're a royal. You say that you will inherit the kingdom one day, the whole commonwealth. But you're not living like that's the reality. That would be ludicrous, right? Well, that's what these Galatians are doing. They've been freed from slavery to sin and false gods. They've been adopted as children of God, promised that they will receive eternal life, and in the life to come, that they will inherit the universe and reign with Jesus forever. But they're thinking that life in slavery to sin is better, and they're going back to it. That's why Paul was fired up. He doesn't want them to add stuff onto Jesus. He wants them to repent and to turn to God to trust in Jesus alone. I think it's easy to look at these Galatian churches and wonder, why are they doing this? Why are they trying to turn back to the law, to try to add stuff on to the gospel, the good news about Jesus? It's easy to wonder how they would do this. Even though the Apostle Paul himself, he taught them the truth. How easy is it for us to do the same? To go back to our old habits and patterns thinking that we can be good enough for God, thinking that our good works can save us. What are those old ways for you? Where are you tempted to return to your old habits and patterns? Paul is saying, remember, God has freed you. After Paul's strong words, he changes his tone. He shows the Galatians just how much he loves them. He begs the Galatians to repent. And so we see here a pastor's heart for his people. It's point two on your outline. Turn with me to Galatians 4 verse 12. It should be up on the screen. I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. Paul began with a concern out of love, but now Paul here, he's begging them to become like him. It's actually the first command that Paul gives in the book of Galatians. Uh, You don't plead with someone to change if you don't actually love them. But it's not pleading. Paul is begging them. There's nothing in this for Paul at all. Paul is on his knees with a heavy heart, burdened for these people that he loves deeply. But what does Paul mean, become like him? Well, early in the letter, Paul said that he left his way of life in Judaism. He said that he died to the law, and he went on to say that he's no longer under the law. From these three phrases, we can work out that Paul is begging them to become like him, that when he says that, he means that when he, he used to, he's a Jew, right? So he's, he's a Jew, born as a Jew, under the law, but now because of Jesus, he's being saved, and he's no longer under the law. Now these Galatians, they, they're not Jews, they're not Jews, and so they were never under the law. But now that they've been saved, they're still not under the law, but these false brothers are coming in trying to bring them back under the law again. That's what he means. Become like me, no longer under the law, because you're a Christian now. 
So Paul then goes on to say now that he has been trying to correct them, that through that he has somehow become their enemy. Have a look with me at verse 16. So then, have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? Paul here is trying to show them what true love is. True love is love that tells the truth. It's point three on your outline. Paul could have spent this time writing his next sermon, could have spent that time planting another church, maybe organizing another family meal. But he didn't. Instead, Paul sets time aside to be honest, to call out their disobedience, and to work hard at persuading them to repent. I don't know about you, but I find it super hard sometimes to call people out. Part of our Kiwi nature is to avoid conflict. And on top of that, my personality type, done many personality tests, uh, trying to work out, trying to work myself out. <laughs> a lot of those personality tests come out that I'm, I'm a peacemaker, which can be helpful because in heated times, I can try help people, you know, just think logically and try not to get too intense. But often I'm tempted not to say the hard word when I need to, to correct someone when they're going wrong. I wonder what it's like for you. Are you someone who avoids conflict? Do you shy away when someone is going wrong, thinking, oh, I just don't really want to cause a scene here? Or maybe, I don't have the facts right. Who am I to call them out? Now, there is merit into thinking this way. But if someone is clearly heading away from Jesus, then we need to say something. We're called to look out for one another. Maybe right now, there's someone that you're thinking about, someone who's been drifting away from God. They live their life a lot more differently than how they used to when they were on fire for God. And maybe now the Holy Spirit is prompting you to talk to that person, to ask them how their walk with God is going. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. It's really hard. So if you, if you want advice, feel free to chat to me or chat to one of the staff or maybe chat to your connect group leader. Uh, to work through how that conversation would go. We'd love to be praying for you, to be walking alongside you. We'd love you to be helping us be able to make hard, say hard conversations too. Or maybe that's you today. Maybe it's time to turn back to God. Maybe you've just been drifting for a while. To repent from your ways and trust Jesus. If that's you, then feel free to have a chat to me or maybe the person that brought you along today. Friends, we are called to love our neighbor. That means telling them the hard truth sometimes. It doesn't mean that we should go around slamming people with Bible verses 24-7. Uh, no, we, we gently and lovingly tell them the truth. We give them generous assumptions. Most of all, we pray for them. True love is love that tells the truth. In contrast to the love Paul has for the Galatians, the false brothers amongst the churches in Galatia they have no love. Paul here shows the Galatians that the false brothers are not actually for the Galatians, but themselves. It's point four on your outline, love that is true. Have a look with me at Galatians 4, verse 17 to 18. Paul writes this. They caught you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner and not just when I am with you. These false brothers, they love the Galatians, but only for their own selfish gain. Have a look at what he says. He says, they want 
to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. Connect group leader sent, uh, they were going through this passage together, their connect group, and they sent through this little, um, this little phrase that helped them understand this. Uh, they said that the false brothers, they're not building the Galatians up, they're buttering the Galatians up. Not building them up, they're buttering them up. These false Christians, they aren't, they aren't just pulling the Galatians away from what the Apostle Paul told them, but they're doing it for their own evil purposes. When Paul's with the Galatians, they would have done anything for him. They loved him. They loved Jesus. They loved the gospel. Paul said that they would have gouged out their eyes for him. But now these people are being pulled away from Jesus. They're being wooed into believing false teaching. These false Christians, they don't love the Galatians because they aren't telling the truth. True love doesn't lie. It tells the truth. Friends, the gospel is Jesus alone. We learned that previously, that there is only one gospel, the, ones, the one that the apostles preached. We learned that it's by trusting Jesus and not by trusting the works of the law that we can be saved. We must be super clear on this. We must be super clear on this. We must defend this. Otherwise, we find ourselves standing on our own two feet before Jesus on that last day, trying to be made right with God by our own works. We can only be saved by Jesus alone. And arming ourselves with this truth will help us fight against false teaching. So, we've seen that God frees us from being enslaved to worthless things. We've seen that true love is love that tells the truth. Now we're going to see that God changes us. That's the last point on your outlines. Have a look with me at Galatians 4, verse 19 to 20. It should be up on the screen. My children... I'm again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. Paul in this passage, he's really pouring out his heart here. In verse 12, he calls the Galatians brothers and sisters. And here he calls them his children. He cares for them and is begging them to change. But notice what he says here. I'm again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. Now, I'm not a dad, and I'm not a mum, and uh, I've never been through labor before. But a few years back, a friend of mine uh, had a child, and he was sharing what it was like to, you know, when a child was delivered. And as as he was describing it, he kind of just looked, and he had this distant look in his eye. And he's like, it was horrific. <laughs> it was terrible. There's weeping and wailing and screeching. There's like people screaming over there, people screaming over there. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> he's saying, if, if they want people to abstain, then just show them what goes on in that room. Show them what goes on in that room. That'll put them off. Now, labor sounds awful. That's how Paul is describing what it's like investing in these Galatian churches. He's saying that he's going through torturous pain, wailing and screeching until what? Until Christ is formed in them. Paul wants them to be in Jesus, to trust him alone. That's why he's writing this letter. He doesn't want them to go back to slavery. They're being freed from pagan practices. Now, by following the Old Testament law, he's saying they're going to become enslaved again. He doesn't want that to happen. I want them to see that they are children of God. They've been freed. 
as it is for the Galatians, so it is for us. God loves us so much that He accepts us as we are. But God loves us so much that He will not leave us that way. If we don't yet trust Jesus, then God will work in us until Christ is formed in us. Friends, where are you working to see Christ formed in others? To see them turn away from slavery and instead to trust Jesus? We hear at EV, we say, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. I was saying to my wife Ash the other day, uh, you can tell a lot about someone uh, if they have Apple AirPods. <laughs> now, if you don't know what Apple AirPods are, they're these little earphones, um, wireless earphones that you can put in your ear. Um, but they, they're not very good, not very good quality. Like in terms of, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. This morning I said James had them, but he doesn't actually have them. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> James, James agrees with me that uh, Apple AirPods are not up to the standard that they should be. Um, they, they they just don't produce very good sound. Uh, they there's a lot of other earphones out there that for a much more cheap price that they are better. So um, so sometimes I can go around judging people thinking that I'm better than them, that they're giving into marketing strategies and so on, thinking that they're maybe using God's resources uh, worse than I am. <laughs> I think that sometimes I can be better than them. But this is sinful. Only God knows the heart. People could have been given them. They could, have, they could like them because, well, they do actually kind of look the best. Like They, they do look pretty good. Uh, they have a long battery life. They function well with iPhones. There, there are many reasons to get Apple AirPods. And I'm in no place to judge people with them. Sometimes I can think that I'm tempted, sometimes I'm tempted to think that my works, that me maybe uh, investing God's resources more wisely, think, means that I'm better than them. That maybe I'm deserving of heaven more than other people. But what is it for you? Where are you tempted to think that you're good enough for God? Maybe if you're like me, it can be easy to gossip about others and to try and uh, remind yourself that maybe you're better than them, uh, better in God's sight. Maybe you have a need to be needed, and so you help others all the time, uh, not simply because you love them, uh, but because you love feeling needed. Maybe you feel like God needs you. Maybe life is just too busy, and you equate busyness with being good and productive uh, but your busyness in exams or when work is busy uh, or there are lots of things going on with your family, these things pull you away from seeing Christ formed in others. You stop making time to spend with God. You stop making time to spend with God's people, whether that's church or maybe it's connect group. We will stuff up. We will at times forget that we are called to see Christ formed in our friends and family. We have the chance to repent to turn away from our rebellion and fall on our knees before God. Remember, we are made right with God because what Jesus has done. You are a child of God if you trust Jesus. If you trust him, you are united to him. This means that you know God. But as we saw in verse 8, even more than that, God knows you. God, by his Spirit, is changing us as he speaks to us through his word. And he'll keep working in us until Christ is formed in us. And so if you're a child of God, then God will keep working in you to see that you start behaving like one. 
like a brilliant father ordering the universe to teach us and grow us and stretch us through his word by us understanding his word to us and his, his spirit impressing on us that word upon our hearts, comforting, challenging, molding, shaping, and changing us to be more like Jesus. That's what God is doing in you. If you don't yet trust Jesus, then why not start trusting him tonight? Trust that he is enough and so much more than any other thing in the world. Only God can fill the God-shaped hole in your life. Only by trusting Jesus can you be made right with God. But for many of us today, if you trust in Jesus, then rejoice. Keep trusting Jesus. Keep remembering that because of Jesus, you are God's child. And also, be encouraged. If you trust Jesus, look back to all the ways God has changed you. Look at all the sins you used to struggle with. Look at all the things of God that you now treasure. Be thankful, for God is forming Christ in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you that because of him, being united to him, his sacrifice, we can be called your children. Thank you so much for this, Father. It came at such great cost to you. We pray tonight that you'd help us by your spirit as we dive into your word to help us to keep trusting Jesus until that last day. We ask that you would keep working in us, seeing Jesus formed in us. Father, would you do that tonight? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.